Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Happy Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Hey, Jax, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm so, so happy that it's Friday. I can't even tell you. This Friday feels, you know, bigger than other Fridays just because this week has felt extremely long. I am so excited to get back into the studio. Oh, my God. Creating beats with you, like, just back in the studio doing our thing for um, J06. I think it's going to be, like, an amazing album. By the way, like, Rolling Stone, all the big hitters are talking about how J06 is going to be the most fire album. It might even make their best albums of all time list. That's what I'm hearing. I don't want to like give, you know, put like a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I have that in me after two weeks of Zoom episodes. Like when we hit the studio again, like I'm just going to pour my heart and soul fire. into the next album. Fire. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for belief. Um, yeah, we were just talking about how when we decided to quarantine, I was, like, not that upset about it. Like, the idea of, like, not leaving my house just, it doesn't upset me as much it might, as it might upset other people. But doing the quarantine episodes, we're just not, like, when we're not on video, we just don't have that physicality, which is so important. It's integral to the quality of the morning toast. And I find that, like, working from home, like, just fucks up my sleep schedule, my quality of life, like, so many things. So I'm really looking forward to getting back in the studio. I actually left my house yesterday because um, I had two negative tests. I've been quarantined for 10 days, and I just decided to treat myself to dinner. And it was fabulous. Just truly sensational. Oh, you know, I did see that you were at dinner with the snitch. Yeah, well, we had um, business to take care of. The Snatchler's back in action. Her podcast is blowing up yet again. Everyone listen to The Snatchler. And, you know, we're her network, and I just wanted her to feel appreciated. I don't want, you know, she's huge. I don't want other networks, like, vying for her, trying to bribe her with fancy dinners. Yeah, no, she has to be wined and dined, and she has to be, made, like, you know, courted, really. I'm sure you... I'm sure you were inspired by Mad Men. Yes, that's exactly what it was. She was wined and dined. We, you know, had steak and brandy, and it was really um, the perfect meeting for us. You know, I feel like she's really happy with the network now, and I think we bought her for at least another year. I'm really glad that you guys had such a great night together, the two of you, without any other third party <laughs> there to interfere or, you know, make everyone feel old. No, it was it was the perfect night. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait also it was a perfect night because i got home i watched kardashians which will obviously recap but i also went on like a rabbit hole watching our old halloween episodes because halloween is coming up you and i have been going back and forth about our ideas and i was just dying i think of all the ones we've done if you're new here we take halloween very seriously our first year on the show jackie and i dressed as each other and it was so funny that we didn't think we could top it and honestly we did not 
we have topped it, but I watched all the episodes and Jonas Brothers was definitely the funniest. And, and it, honestly, when we chose it, it was like we couldn't really think of anything and I didn't know if it was going to be that great. It was so fucking funny. I mean, it was co- comedic brilliance. Like I was dying and I was watching on YouTube with the live chat and it was just so fun to like see everyone's jacket. It was brilliant. Like we owe ourselves a pat on the back yet again. Oh, wow. Um, I, I saw that you sent it to me and I started to watch a little clip. Usually I just watched the video that we made, uh, the 10 second like teaser Instagram. video that we made for the episode. And that usually suffices. But yeah, we have the bar is high for this Halloween. And I like my idea. We have to talk about it, though. And we need to nail it down because we and have I people. I like my idea. And what's so frustrating is that we want to surprise people. But I wish we could just ask, like, which do you like better, A or B? Yeah. Okay, I love your idea, but I'll talk to you about the holes in it later. No, and by the way, I know your idea, and and I get it, and I always defer to you. And see, mine, yours is more topical, whereas mine is evergreen. It's not like, whatever, we'll, I don't want to tease everyone. Okay, but but here's the thing. Even if we don't do my idea, which I'm fine with, we're not doing yours because it's, we have to think of a new idea because yours doesn't work, and I'll explain to you later why. Okay, fine. Okay? Fine. Okay. Um, but you know, you know what does work? What? The fast five. They work oh, wow, every you, day. Wow. Yesterday you were on my dick about jumping in way too fast. And now, um, the tables. No, I'm not, I'm not jumping in. I'm my not mind. jumping in. I, I, I just wanted a fast five appreciation moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love the fast five. Yeah. I feel like they always work. They're always there for you. You yeah. know, every day you can rely on the fast five stories. Most days. <laughs> no, no. Every day. Monday through Friday. Of course. Who wants them on Saturday and Sunday? Not me. I'm sleeping through the Fast Five on Saturday I'm, and Sunday. I'm a slow five. I'm um, a slow five. Now that I finished Mad Men, I, like, have nothing to live for. I, like, started mm. watching, like, the new episodes of the Nexium documentary, and nothing can keep me. Like, I'm always just turning it on, and then I eventually, like, get on my phone, and I just... Nothing can keep my attention like Mad Men could. And not only keep my attention, but, like change my life you know for the for the two weeks that I was watching Mad Men like I was Betty Draper like I was cooking and cleaning so much and I feel like it really affected my home life and shows like that just they don't come every day you know yeah I know I mean that's like a place to call home for me Mm -hmm. and I just hope that everyone who has been inspired to watch it is having the most meaningful experience you know that gets me through knowing that I shared it with other people it's so meaningful You don't even know what meaningful television is. Like, because you haven't watched the show, it's hard to say, you know? It's hard. It's really hard to talk to you, honestly. Wow. Okay. So I guess maybe we should just get into the Fast Five, because that's the only thing you clearly (laughs) can talk to me about. (laughs) I mean, if you want to, I'm only if you want to. Don't put it on me. Like, if you want to. No, I don't. Okay, fine. Me neither. What did you do last night? Um, I had dinner with Zach. We had a very nice dinner, and then we watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Is he Team Corey or Team Kendall? Um, he didn't say explicitly, but because he's my husband, he has to be Team Corey. Yeah, no, I think people are going to be shocked by our take, because I did a poll on my Instagram. I was very curious. I have found that recently, um, you and I, our opinions on reality TV, whether it's Kardashians, Housewives, The Bachelor, like... We are in the minority. And I used to think, like, I had the opinion of everyone. Like, I was just a regular girl. But now I realize I think differently. And I think that makes me unique. Um, yeah. 
I've realized I prefer it that way. Like, I think when it comes to like any sort of, you know, uh, beef in pop culture, you can always expect that uh, no one will agree with us. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it more interesting. I, if I were a listener, I wouldn't be one. I wouldn't be interested in hearing the opinion that like I've read 50,000 times on Twitter. Like, yeah. give me an alternate opinion. I think that um, my recent discovery of like the fact that my opinions are unpopular has a lot to do with me just hanging out with you a lot. I think that you come up with opinions that are contradictory because you believe them, but you also like that they like go against the grain. I believe that. Yes, I do. Like if there is a a feud going on and there is like a side that everyone has chosen, like I do make it my business to see the other side. Sometimes I can convince myself of the other side, but I do think it's an uninteresting to just agree with the masses. I agree with you. I think that's a very interesting take when applying to reality television. And honestly, it's so like deep how far it goes. I think it could be like a psychology class, like in college. Yeah, I agree. And also, and I just want to say like, I usually form my opinions before I know what the group opinion is. Mm. So then I obviously have to just stick to my guns. I'm not just going to go over to the majority side. I agree. You know, then I just have to defend Monique Samuels till the end. It's very hard. Yeah, it is. But someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. And me and Karen Huger. Yes. And maybe a little bit Ashley Darby. Love her. Um, okay. okay. We can go in. I'm okay with that. Now, yeah. it is time. It is time. For the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. <sighs> And I would be RDH. I mean, <coughs> you hear that? Whoa. It's, it's my RDH coming back. Um, if I didn't let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by our Patreon channel. Our Patreon channel, what is Patreon, you ask? It is our subscription service. So if you love the toast, the toast is free. It will always be free. Um, but if you're looking for a way to get more content and then support your favorite toasters, sisters, um, head over to patreon.com slash morning toast. We have a subscription service where you can pay $7.99 per month to get five extra episodes from Jackie and I. The episodes are either podcast episodes or vlogs. The podcasts are a little bit more deep, more behind the scenes. We're willing to, you know, open up a little bit more. It's a little scary, less scary behind a paywall. We have two new episodes this month that we just did. The first episode was a part two to an episode we did last month. Jackie and I took like a 60 question quiz. How well do you know one another? And this week I found out that I actually know a ton about Jackie and it ended up being literally one of the funniest episodes I've ever recorded in my life. I could not breathe. Jackie told me one of the questions is like, what's your most embarrassing story? And I came up with one, but it wasn't the one that Jackie had thought. And when she told me the story, like, I think I'd heard it before, but I never laughed so hard in my entire life. It's just so simple. It's one of those like embarrassing moments that it's most like most people might not think much of it, but it will literally haunt you until the day you die. Yeah. And like, if you envision the story as I'm telling it, it's like a cartoon, yes. you know? Yes. Like I, I might as well have had steam coming out of my ears. Jack, you literally painted and a butterf- picture. And butterflies are on my head. <laughs> and then the part two, uh, the second episode this month, I sat down yesterday and recorded a podcast episode with Taylor Strecker. A bunch of people had been missing her and wanted to hear from her. So we just did a great episode keeping up with her, you know, her relationship. She moved to New Jersey, um, her relationship with Stassi, which is very controversial, cancel culture. It was a really good episode. Um, and she's so funny. She like made me like scream. Like my audio definitely blew out like four times because she's just so funny. So there's three more episodes coming this month. You get five every month, $7.99. Like I said, great way for more content and to support our show. So head over to patreon.com slash the morning toast and enjoy. Sign on, get premium content all day, every day. It's so funny that we still use the sign on and we don't even uh, have, what was it? Sendbird. As a sponsor anymore. Smell amazing. They had the best slogan that we literally just started applying it to every single brand. Like we're selling Macs. Sign on, get a Mac. 
Yeah. I mean, for sure. Sign on so that you're able to sign Sign on. on. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. First story, um, Claudia and I just watched this music video, but Jacob Tremblay is playing a young Justin Bieber in the new Lonely music video about early fame. Justin Bieber is getting a glimpse into the early days of his career as a child pop star. On Friday, Bieber and producer Benny Blanco dropped the music video for the singer's latest emotional track called Lonely, which stars 14-year-old actor Jacob Tremblay as a young Bieber struggling with the pressures of fame. Uh, The two-and-a-half-minute clip follows Tremblay as Bieber in his My World era, nailing the singer's past look with his Mm -hmm. signature purple hoodie, white jacket, and pants ensemble, and, of course, his iconic side-swept hair. They really nailed, like, the look. I didn't even realize that Justin Bieber had, like, such a distinguished look, aside from the hair, but then when I saw the outfit, I I was transported. Yes, and I knew immediately, like, what era of his life they were referring to, just by the purple hoodie under the white denim jacket. Like, I fully got it. Um, To me, there were three things going on here. Two of them, which were overwhelmingly positive, and one that I did have a little bit of a negative. The first is that just the mere idea to cast Jacob Tremblay as young Justin Bieber is such an innovative thought. I mean, I never could have dreamed it up, but at the end of the day, like he does really resemble like a young Justin Bieber. And I thought the idea was brilliant and I loved the casting and the hair and makeup, the wardrobe was really spot on. The second positive thing was the actual song. I didn't know that he was coming out with this song and I actually thought it was really well done. I thought I love an introspective song and we, we, we know a lot about that time in Justin Bieber's life and we know that he's went to a dark place because of it and is now in such a better place. I didn't know he was going to like open up in the way that he did. And the song like was not subtle at all. It was very direct. And I really thought it was a great song, like the, in terms of the lyrics and the message, it was very introspective. I agree. And I'll say one more positive thing before we go into any negatives. Positive thing for me was the acting like Jacob Tremblay, give this man the Oscar. Like he, just nailed the role and it was a non-speaking role you know it was a silent film for him and I just think that I could read the emotion on his face and he's really a great actor yes my third kind of negative was like the whole thing was like a little corny you know what I mean it wasn't like (laughs) it wasn't it was so overt and like just kind of cheesy if you know what I mean. Oh, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you. I didn't get... Of course get- you are. Like, what would a day at the morning toast be if I couldn't just say something without you disagreeing? This is what I was saying. You're such a contrarian. Just like, I said well, something, I, mean- I said something, you know, very basic. Like, you could just let it go. Do you, uh, do you want me to? No, I, I actually am dying to hear what you have to say. All I was just going to say was like, oh, I watched it and I didn't get a corny vibe. Like, I actually thought that it was well done and almost, I want to say, like, artsy. Oh, I actually totally disagree. Like, right. I, I thought it lacked that artsiness and it was very like corny, over the top, overt. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just my oh, critical artistic eye. It, yeah, it might be. But like, I wouldn't describe it as over the top. And I think it's as artsy as Justin Bieber gets. You know, I mean, the scene like with him sitting and then Justin, like it was just like very obvious. I can't explain it in any other way. I know what you mean by that. I feel that way about some stuff sometimes. Like, that's very, like, uh, uh, you know, that's my usual criticism of, like, Taylor Swift. Oh, Um, see, I totally disagree. I think there's so much to unpack in Taylor Swift music videos. And with this, like, there was not one thing to unpack. It was just all packed for me. Like, you know? Yeah, you you like a little Da Vinci Code mystery. I do. And just, like, a little artistic messaging. Like, something that makes me think. I don't don't have to think about it. They told me everything I needed because it was just so obviously portrayed in that way. I hear what you're saying. I hear it. I understand it. And I think it's a good point. Wow. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready for our next story? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Here's a little teaser. Hear the sounds of marching feet. Doom, doom, doom. 
On the avenue, I'm taking it to 42nd Street. Tony nominations are out. Oh my God. I had literally <laughs> no idea what that was an intro to. I'm like, maybe something about Times Square. Tony noms are out and Jagged Little Pill leads with 15 nominations. That's the Alanis Morissette like, show, right? That Yes, that is it. Tony time is here at last. Tony award winner hey, James Monroe. What time is it? It's Tony time. <laughs> it sounds like at the beginning of a Frosted Flakes commercial. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. It's Tony what? time. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe at the end they have like Tony Hawk on a skateboard. Totally. <laughs> announcing the Tony Awards, which actually were announced by J- announced <laughs> announced by James Monroe Iglehart. It included work from eighteen eligible shows, all of which opened before Broadway shut down on March twelfth. A date for the ceremony has not been set, but will likely happen in early December. So here are the nominees for categories you might care about. Okay. I know you don't care about the best play. Best no, musical is oh, Jagged yeah. Little Pill. I'm like, why wouldn't I care about the best play? I literally forget that there are plays that don't have music. Like, to me, yeah. that's such a foreign concept. I'll never forget when I literally got coerced into going to a play starring Rachel Wise and Daniel Craig. Like, real life husband and wife. It was called Betrayal. It was, like, the biggest play. I had to go to... And when I was in NYU, um, we had to go... Um, see a play and that's the one I chose to go to and I thought I was like really like what an assignment I get to see like a fabulous musical and I'm sitting in this play and it dawns on me that it is not a musical it's just a play and I was so miserable I was eating popcorn this woman behind me told me to stop eating so loud can you believe that and I've never seen a play again um yeah except for like one month later when we went to go see uh, the curious incident of the dog in the night like pure and that utter fucking musical? trash no that was honestly... It was a play, and it was like, beep, boop, bop. Yeah, no, the, okay, you know, guys, you don't even have to see the play. It was literally like this. That's literally what the play was. I can't explain it. Unless you've seen it, you know it was literally just like, beep, bop, boop, beep, bop, boop, beep, bop, boop. It's like, I can't explain why that was like literally the entire play, but everyone was just like, doot, doot, doot. Yes, I forgot that we did see that. That was trash, and that's really disappointing. Because that was, like, one of my favorite books in high school and, like, one of the only ones, like, I actually read. And it was really mm-hmm. good. I'm like, oh, my God. I felt like such an intellect. I'm like, I've read this book. I'm going to love the play. And then the play starts and it's just like, dee da doo And I'm like, I'm out. When you read the book, did it really resonate with you when the main character said, boop, boop, boop? No, you know when he really got to me? Like, I actually almost cried when he said, dee da dee da I was like, whoa. It's so profound. It really is. And now that I think about it, like, why were we reading do- a book about killing dogs? Like, it was just so sad. Yeah. Okay. Best musical. Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge the musical, Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Honestly, they all sound really good. Best revival of a play. There's only three? Oh. Yeah. I think the nominations are limited because of the amount of time they were even on for. Right. This is, like, probably a great year to win a Tony. Like, you have to do the least amount of work. Uh, no, I feel like this is, I mean, this is uh, on so many accounts, like the worst year to be a Broadway actor, but also like you didn't even get to do your work. Like what if your play was set to premiere like August, April 1st? I guess that's true. I'm just looking at it from the lazy POV. Like, (laughs) wow, you don't have to do anything and you get a Tony. Yeah. Like from, for example, um, there's only one nominee in the best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. There's only one nominee. Who is it? 
um, Aaron Tvet, Moulin Rouge. Interesting. So does that mean yeah. he just wins, right? Um, so the Tony Award rules say that if the Tony Awards nominating committee has determined that there's only one nominee in a category listed, such category shall be submitted to the Tony voters, which may, by the affirmative vote of 60% of the total ballots cast, grant an award in that category. category. Imagine being the only one nominated in your category and still losing. <laughs> that is just totally. tragic. Honestly, I'll be praying for Aaron Tveit every day until the Tonys. <laughs> I don't even know who he is, just so that he doesn't have to go through that embarrassment. Yes, that would be so crazy. Honestly, I was half hoping that um, Erica Jane would be nominated. I know, but Chicago's like one of those musicals that's just like, it's it's not really like art anymore. It's like a tourist attraction. It's like Lion King. It's still fabulous, but it's not um, like a contender, I think. Yeah, it's not like artsy, like Justin Bieber's new music video. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, well, good luck to all the nominees, and when you hear the sounds of marching feet on the avenue, I'm taking you to 42nd Street. Hear the sound of marching feet on the avenue, I'm taking you to 42nd Street. (laughs) That is like, I think that was the first musical we ever saw. And I, think so I too. thought it was fucking sensational. Yeah, and it's just like ingrained in my head as like Broadway. Yeah, and to be honest, I have absolutely no idea what that play was about. Any of the the people, the characters, the score, but all I know is hear the sound of the marching feet on the avenue. I'm taking you to Forty Second Street. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous musical. I think the second musical we saw was Wicked, and that one really stuck with me. I've now no, seen it no, like two no, more no. times. I don't think that's true at all. Um, really? Yeah, because like you're missing like ten years in between where we saw like Lion King, um, Beauty and the Beast, and like all of gun. the classics, and then Wicked came out when we were like preteens. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, my memory is not what it used to be. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, ready for our next story? A little maybe happy couple news. Sure. Cardi B is back with Offset, she explains on herself on Instagram. Yes, I saw. She said, listen, y'all, I'm just a crazy bitch, she explained with her signature brio on Instagram Live on Thursday. You know how I be arguing with y'all on social media. That's exactly how we are, between me and my man. So when people be saying I be doing shit for attention with this and that, no, I'm just a crazy bitch. She said, I just been starting to miss him. It's hard not to talk to your best friend. It's really hard not to talk to your best friend. And it's hard to have no dick. Yeah, to be honest, like, I like Cardi B and Offset together. And when when they break up, get back together, like, it doesn't bother me at all. But these people who are, like, so pressed, like, angry at her, like, literally coming for it. It's like, get a fucking life. Who cares? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, If she wants to be back with him. I support if she wants to not. I support. Yeah, but just those at a certain are just point, just like such hypocrites. Like if she was running around town with like a new man every night, they would be yelling at her too. So it's like fuck off. She's literally been with this one guy. Everyone knows what it's like to be in like a relationship where like you can't decide if you want to be together or not, and it's just fine. Like lay off. You just can't quit him. You just can't quit him. Yeah. So I mean, I think whatever Cardi wants. I'm happy for her. Yeah, I trust I, her. I trust her choices. I do think, though, like eventually we will stop reporting on the updates on the toast just because it's meaningless. Like, I, we, yeah, no, that's what I was getting. At. It's like I support if they want to be together or be apart. Um, but at a certain point, like I will no longer be keeping up. Yeah. If, if just the verdict is going to change in a few days. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's just to waste precious airtime on a story that's 
soon to be not true overturned. It seems silly. Okay, very, very fair. Well, our next story is, like, weirdly so shady. Okay. Did you see this quote that Taryn Manning had said about Dancing with the Stars? Taryn Manning from Crossroads and Orange is the New Black. Yes. She was on Dancing with the Stars? No. She said earlier this week, and I saw her say this, she said that she's been asked many times to appear on the show, but shot down the offers because it's for husband. She said she would, like, officially feel like a husband if she did Dancing with the Stars. Just, you know, some a thought that she had, I guess. Now Dancing with the Stars reps are coming out and saying, we turned down Taryn Manning, not the other way around. Ooh. They said the ABC competition alleges that Manning's team angled for her to join the series, but its dance card is full. Quote, Taryn claims she's been asked to join the cast many times. However, we have never asked Taryn to be a part of the show, a rep for the series said. Her representation attempted to pitch her to us as a while back, and we kindly passed. So her claim that she was asked to join Dancing with the Stars once, never mind many times, is completely false. Well, you know what? I feel like ABC and, like, production, like, they don't really release statements. Like, if they are going to be, like, going tit for tat with a celebrity in the press, like, I'm inclined to believe them because they don't just say stuff. Like, celebrities can say whatever they want, and most of the time, like, Paramount Studios isn't going to come out and release a statement, like, clarifying what actually happened. So the fact that ABC actually did, I- I'm I'm inclined to be- take their side on this one. Yeah, I'm inclined to believe them also, but I just want to say, like, not that I am a huge fan of Taryn Manning, but, like, how is she any, like, n- not up to snuff for Dancing with the Stars? Like, to I, me, I she seems like more. the perfect cast. No, right? I mean, She's, she, like, a, in, someone who you recognize. And in, in face recognizability, like, that woman who used to date Ellen, who was on this week, Annie... Anne Heche. Anne Heche, like, okay, yes, when you tell me who she is, she used to date Ellen, and she was in this movie, like, great. Have I seen her face ever once, and I'm a huge pop culture fan? No. Have I seen Taryn Manning's face? Countless times. I agree. I think, actually them coming out and admitting that they've passed on her, it's like, well, you're doing something wrong. She's literally the perfect person for it. Yeah, she is. But it seems like neither of them want to work with the other. So good. You got what you wanted. Yeah, everyone's happy. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's like that scene in um, Confessions of a Teenage yes, Drama Queen. I got just the part I wanted. Good, because it's the one you got. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Anyways, I just thought that was like some interesting I didn't Dancing see with that. the Stars tea. Yeah, no, I just saw the the retort this morning from ABC. It wasn't enough of a story that Tyron Manning thinks Dancing with the Stars for husbands. Like, well, then it also you know begs the question and the conversation starter. Like, do you think currently Dancing with the Stars is a place for husbands? That's, a, that's a big question. I'd say fifty percent husbands and fifty percent up and comers. I agree. Like, it's people literally meeting on the way down and on the way up. Yes. Very, very true. Hmm. But that, it also, like, I guess that point of going on if you're a husband is, like, it will revive your career if done correctly. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I can't think of anyone in recent memory who actually, like, turned their career, husband career around because of Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, maybe. It's like I a great... Think of all- it's a great, like, six-month press tour. It's a great buzz, but yeah. after, it doesn't have legs. Yeah. Unless I you think win. that's a really good point. That's a good point. Okay, our fifth and final story. Some of our favorite Bravo queens, Lala Kent, Bronwyn Windenberg, and Leah McSweeney are opening up about sobriety. Oh, yes. 
you know, when we were having this conversation on the toast yesterday in our Patreon with Taylor, I was like, I wanted to get her take on like sober women having a place in um, Bravo. And we forgot a couple people. Margaret Josephs isn't sober, but she just does not drink. And she still is like very much in the mix. Leah McSweeney has now decided not to drink. Um, and Lala. So like there are people who do it. Yeah. Well, Bronwyn, Leah, and Lala opened up about their opened up about their decisions to stop drinking to Glamour magazine for an article published on Wednesday, the day after Bronwyn shared uh, her sobriety during this season premiere of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Bronwyn said, if you look at the footage of the premiere, you can see my hands shaking because I knew if I said I'm an alcoholic, I couldn't take it back. Right. When I first got sober, I was scared I wouldn't be fun anymore, that my life was going to be boring. I really thought alcohol made life enjoyable, and that's sad. Now, nine months later, I realize that's not true at all. Honestly, I dance even more now because I can stay awake. Mm-hmm. I sometimes used to pass out at like 7 p.m. because I had been drinking all day. So yeah, I actually have way more fun now. The mom of seven admitted she never had a healthy relationship with alcohol and that she began drinking at 14. So this uh, uh, article with Glamour is very long and she really goes into her journey to sobriety and and dealing with it on the show. And um, when she was in Miami for Kelly's now husband's 60th birthday, she um, Captain Sandy was there and Captain Sandy has been sober for 30 years and Bronwyn reached out to her about like getting help and it's a really interesting article and the other women are in it too so um definitely check it out if you love these queens like we do with glamour magazine yeah to be honest i really feel like bravo should be talking about this more and like promoting these sober women more because if you take a look at like most housewives franchise sometimes even vanderpump rules they really promote like very unhealthy drinking habits and it almost like glorifies acting a mess and it's not a great message to be sending like i think this latest season of Housewives of New York, like, we really hit, like, a bad place, and I think we've been getting to that place for a really long time. Like, the franchise has just been spiraling downward, and it's, like, every episode, it's, like, either Dorinda or Sonia. It's, like, someone just getting to that dark place, and it's just not a great message to be sending, and it's funny and it's enjoyable, but, like, what are we taking away from it, you know? And so I think, like, Bronwyn and now um, Leah, and, and Leah having that conversation on the reunion for New York Housewives, like, I just think it's, like, a good road to open up. Yeah, I totally agree. Not that everyone on the show should be sober all the time, but when you're doing that much damage, like, you also have to have the other conversation. Yeah, and have the other example. Like, if you want to show all the drinking, like, show also the effects of drinking and and where some people are at now. I think it's really important, and um, I look forward to watching these journeys unfold. We haven't seen Leah sober on Housewives yet, so that will be extremely interesting. Bronwyn is literally going to be getting sober this, like, on the season. She said that she... She um, decided five days before they started filming that, like, this would be her journey and then really goes through it all while they're filming. So I think that Lala Kent has done a great job of Me being just, just as queenie as ever. Probably um, more. I think her queen status really elevated when she was able to, like, be lucid and think clearly and, like, really get her life in, in a wonderful place. Yeah. So check out the article. It's really good. And um, I'm just proud. Me too. Proud. To be a Lala Stan. I know. Um, let's dive into TV recap. Only Kardashians was on last night. It was the much awaited for like follow up to what I thought was such a good episode last week. I didn't really get that much. To me, like the best part of the episode was the phone call between Corey and Kendall, where we literally couldn't even hear Kendall. Um, yeah. Because she wasn't on speaker. But it was an interesting like window into how they communicate off camera. And I don't know if I'm just being sensitive and I'm the type of person where it's like, 
I use curse words a lot, like, and sometimes people are, like, very jolted by it. They're like, you call me a bitch? I'm like, no, I was like, bitch. You know, like, people react differently to curse words. And when Corey was like, I mean, you're rude to me all the time. Like, sometimes you're, like, an asshole. And she's like, what did you just call me again? Like, she has this real, like, trigger and sensitivity towards curse words where I feel like, Corey, I'm more similar to Corey, where it's like, it's just a part of our vernacular. Me calling you an asshole is just me also saying, like, you're being mean to me. So I'm more inclined to take Corey's side just because I'm not as sensitive. Yeah, I'm completely on Corey's side. I think that, like we said last week, the fight, Kendall has completely misrepresented the fight to everyone else and in her own head. I think it's clear, like, the tensions, what happened, like, they were already beefing before they got, before they went out for the night, and then Kylie's, like, and Corey are drunk, having the greatest night ever, and they come back to, like, sleepy Kendall in the car, who's like, are you gonna drop me off? And she's like, no, I'm not dropping you off, like, yeah, and And Corey's solution- About the car Hmm. thing, we have to think about it because these are people of extraordinary means. So it's like, okay, if you think about a car from Palm Springs to back to Calabasas, it's like a three-hour ride. It's like a car to him. It's like $600 for an Escalade. So, like, if it was you and your group of friends, like, of course you would all share a car. But it's like, these are people, this is like taking a cab 10 blocks for them in terms of money. Like, we have to readjust our brain. So it's like, for her to have gotten another car, these people who can literally pull a car out of their ass, it's the least big deal in the world. And I don't know why she, she was so hell-bent on going home, why she didn't make her own plans. If you really wanted to go home that bad, you have a, you have a, a plans in place. Yeah, she, it, it really wasn't such a big deal. And I think Corey, like, saw what was going on, just tried to diffuse it by being like, do you want us to get you a car? Like, that seems like it solves the problem. Right. To Kendall, that's him kicking at her out of she took the car and forcing to her to go alone. I also think that Kendall probably doesn't like to be alone for long stretches of time like that. So Maybe. she didn't want to be in a car alone. But yes, she took offense to that. And it's funny watching the episode, like, when you don't agree with Kendall and how she just thinks and like not even thinks like knows she's right mm-hmm. and that everyone owes her an apology and until she gets that like she's out but it's like consider for one second I feel like in any situation yes. that any person is in you should always consider what if you're wrong like no no just think about that no not only that I feel like in any confrontation whether it's with family or friends you everyone most of the time thinks that they're right I think that's very normal but to not like put try and put yourself in the other person's shoes and see for one second like their perspective that's part of like you you come to a resolution at the end but it's like okay I see how you interpreted it this is how I interpreted it so it's like to not even for one second try and get the perspective of Corey like two sisters fighting your girlfriend's daughters like you obviously don't want any part of it I I find it very hard to believe he'd be taking Kylie's side and that's what he keeps saying he's like this is between you like get away from me it's not about Corey yeah no I mean honestly even though I'm team Corey and Kylie, like I do, I do think that Corey is on Kylie's side. I think Corey likes Kylie more. I think Kylie's nice to him. Kylie likes him. And it's clear. He just said Kendall's always rude to him Mm -hmm. and can be sort of an asshole. So when the girls are beefing, he gravitates towards being on the side of the person he's been having a great time with all night and not the Debbie Downer in the backseat. So I understand why why Kendall might've felt ganged up on, but to just assume that she's completely in the right, like you just need to consider things from someone else's point of view and Corey the way when he spoke to her on the phone like I thought everything he was saying was so on point when he was like this is something that's uh happening in your head like I did not say that you took it that way like I said this and you heard that it's something like it's just a perception issue that's where this fight came from and those things come from like months or years of like built up tension where it's like obviously Kylie and Kendall have some sort of problem Kylie's always like Kendall's always like Kylie's always with her friends and she doesn't care about me and like this is some sort of complex or feeling that Kendall has and so anytime 
Kylie does something, Kendall's going to see it through that lens. Yes. And so, of course, tensions will explode. But, like, it's not about what happened in the car. It's about why do you feel like Kylie feels this way about you? Right. Like, so, at, for, at that... It is completely between Kendall and Kylie because 100%. I don't think the fight is about what it's happened not, in the car. It's not, right, it's not about what happened in the car. It's about this thing that's going on between them that's been going on for a few years. Yeah. So I just think she was being very immature. And also, she said in her interview, like, I'm waiting for Kylie to call me. You know, I need her to grow up. And it's like, I mean, this is just where, what I think, like, Kendall is the older sister. Yes. And I think we are very, in our family, like, big on birth order Mm -hmm. and you know respect the older sibling it bears a burden of responsibility and I think it's on Kendall to call her younger sister and figure it out yeah um the rest of the episode was pretty boring like I don't really care to watch Chris and Corey learn how to dance and Malika's baby moon was like kind of interesting kind of not um just I what I gathered from it is that Chloe's like such a good friend like she's so famous and like she literally just like does anything for Malika and it's actually so nice and it's like a really respectable friendship like she works so hard just to make Malika happy she's been in a situation similar to Malika where she's not on great terms with her kid's uh father and I feel like she's just like a really good friend who's sensitive to what Malika's going through I agree and I also think that like when Malika was sitting on the bed just like speaking her mind um (laughs) To me, like, she made complete and total sense. Like, when she was, And I know that the other girls were, like, so shook that, I don't know, that she would want to involve herself Engage. in something like this at this stage of her pregnancy. But, like, I just feel like she was making so much sense. The fact that, like, OT is her family now. Like, and so when people come to snitch on him to her, like, she's going to bring it to him and, like, sh- like... she's standing by her man even though he's not her man but it's her family like we're gonna be in each other's lives for the next 18 years like i don't want you to embarrass us i totally got it yeah i totally and completely got it i respect i I like malika and honestly she's probably one of the most beautiful pregnant women i've ever seen in my life yeah like skin glowing face glowing perfect body just a little bump in her belly yeah I agree. I, I know you didn't like, like the Chris and Corey stuff, but I just like so ship them. I that- no, I respect their relationship so much. I think it's like one of the, and I never thought I would say this in my entire life. I think it's one of the healthiest like relationships I've ever seen on reality TV. No, it's so beautiful. I love Corey so much. I think that he is such a great addition to the family. I love like, I mean, I think he has the best relationship with Kylie and then varying relationships with the other girls. And I think that he's just such a, like a solid person like and a, like brotherly I, figure not because he's younger so it's not like a paternal finger but he's like a brotherly figure to everyone and that's nice to have yeah i think it's really really nice and i i enjoy watching it unfold um the last thing i wanted to discuss was oh you know what i thought was a really interesting part of the episode was kendall's um architectural digest shoot because she's like mm-hmm. such a per- like of course she's a supermodel and people are just like she got where she is because she's in her nan hand but watching her like she was actually like i know there's actually an art to modeling and she was it was very cool to like see the pose and then see the picture that came out and I'm like why is she jumping on the bed with her leg like that like that looks so weird and then you see the picture and like nope it makes total sense I actually thought that was fascinating and she looked so stunning on the keeping up with the Kardashians at the shoot and she looked exactly the same on the cover like I actually I I think Kendall's pretty boring but I thought that was a fascinating scene yeah, I agree. Watching her model was very cool. The pictures with her dog, like, so iconic. And the pictures in the yellow feather outfit mm-hmm. on the sofa were just really cute. And her on her bed, like, with her legs spread on that huge pillow. 
Yeah, oh, so cute. It's also crazy to see how, like, a September cover is shot in March. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I didn't think of that. You know? Because I remember when she posted it, she was like, I did this shoot right before COVID. Oh, and by the way, when Chloe's, like, going around to everyone's house, like, being yes! sick as a dog, like, she has COVID. She def- she has COVID, and she's wearing a mask. And we didn't know back then, but it's funny how now, like, we're so sensitive to, like, people quarantining, wearing a mask, leaving for 14 days. And Chloe, like, definitely has COVID and is running around Calabasas, <laughs> going to the casino, going to Kendall's house. Full Her house is full of people for the photo shoot. It's just crazy. Yeah, but she is wearing a mask, like, um... And, like, protecting herself. And she's wearing, a, like, a legit heavy-duty mask. So, hopefully. And the fact that, from what we understand, Chloe um, had COVID mm-hmm. early days. but And Kanye had it. Mm-hmm. But no one else in the family had it. And maybe so, they're, they're alluding to Scott possibly having it. Oh, really? I didn't see that. I thought the, like, stuff with him and his health is about the, when he went to that rehab in the middle of quarantine and oh, those photos were leaked. Maybe that's what they're alluding to. I thought they were just, like, making it seem like he had COVID. Oh, I miss. I didn't get that, but we'll see. Yeah, um, it's been a good season so far. I'm surprised how much footage they have, like before coronavirus like actually started. Because every week I'm like, oh, next week it's like the lockdown, but no, they've had th- like three episodes so far. Yeah, but next week is the lockdown. Yeah, I um, think. So we'll continue to recap that and everything else, and we hope you enjoyed all these episodes this week. Is there anything you want to say to everyone before we let go? I do. If you don't. Oh my gosh. No, I think, I think I'm good. Happy Friday. Have an amazing weekend. Enjoy the fruits of your labor and stay safe. That's, that's all I can say. And all I can say is that I love you guys. And I wanted to remind you guys, I have a very, very big announcement coming October 27th. So set your calendars. I'm so excited to share what I've finally been working on. It's probably like my greatest life's work. Maybe, maybe even bigger than, actually definitely bigger than my comedy special. It's, it's equally as exciting and I just can't wait for you guys to see what, what it is. So keep watching the toast. We're back in studio on Monday. Thank you guys so much for listening to the morning toast, the millennial morning show, where we deliver the fast five stories that you need to know every morning, Monday through Friday, usually on YouTube. So if you ever want to watch us on YouTube, head over there subscribe like all those videos we're also available as you know as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found so that's spotify itunes stitcher public radio iHeartRadio, Castbox, all the places so wherever you listen to podcasts find us the morning toast and leave a five-star review about how beautiful stunning and smart we are we hope you have an amazing weekend stay safe wear a face mask and we'll see you on monday bye goodbye goodbye, goodbye.